Hello there. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight we have an interesting case to discuss. It happened in uh, December 1980, and it's called the Rendlesham Forest case. Did it happen in the Rendlesham Forest? At Brent Waters Woodbridge Military Base, one of NATO's largest bases. It contained nuclear weapons. UFOs and nuclear weapons seems to be always an interest. This case is very strong in its um, evidence because a recording was made the very time it was happening. So you had a firsthand account by military people talking into a, a recording and, and, and gathering uh, this information on this uh amazing case and uh, i'll read a, a section from the jacket of uh, one of the books that came out on the case uh, it's called left at eastgate by larry warrens and peter robbins and they, they did a fantastic job on this uh this case because uh, they they got a lot of information mm -hmm. on the uh the actual people that were involved in the sighting and I'll read the jacket piece. Uh, it, it's really amazing. Um, it says, On three consecutive nights in late December 1980 in England was a setting for what is now seen as the most significant military UFO incident in the history of Great Britain. And it is the most comprehensive account ever published to this date on any other such incident and marks the first time the authentic it, it marks the first time such authentic and uh, evidence has been documented with eyewitnesses um, the uh, the first-hand account is unlike anything you have ever heard before. We have pieces tonight that we're going to let you listen to from that recording, and um, it's 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 quite amazing when you when you hear it because it, it brings you right back to that moment uh, in 1980 because of the uh, the military uh, reporting on on what was going on. They had called for a backup and. Uh, what they call a, a light all it's like a, a gigantic uh flashlight and it's uh, it illuminates the whole area which they needed to see um what was going on in this uh, area and um in 1980 uh, warren who was the military specialist on the base he was a member of the security uh for force on the base police stationed at the Brent Waters case, um, they had a, um, a remote perimeter put around the base area where the sighting happened so that they were able to isolate the area. When the Air Force personnel in the wooded area, uh, five miles from uh, the area base, this was the third night of a UFO activity. It wasn't just a one-night thing. It would also prove to be the most sh shattering because the men were debriefed the next day and shown 
an extraordinary film. They also were ordered to sign statements contradicting what they had seen, warned that they tell no one about it, and told that if they did, bullets are cheap, unquote. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Shocking as the incident and debriefing had been, things were not... I feel like Tony Montana might have said that. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, right out of a movie. Um Shocking as the incident and debriefing had been, things were only getting started. American intelligence was about to enter the picture. Hmm. Despite the personal cost, uh, Warren began to investigate the events on his own. In 1987, he was joined by an independent researcher, Peter Robbins, and spent nine years in preparation for the book. And as a result, we have this tape for you to listen to tonight. And uh, it involves the uh, the recording. Can you you set it up, um, what you were explaining to me about? This was the second night after the sighting? Yeah, you see, the, the, the commotion that was going on needed attention. So uh, some of the, I guess the military people didn't want to, you know, go out there, but then it got more, you know, attention as people started to go out to the area. And it, over it, the course of what, the of 24 was, hours, you mean? Or there it was a course of three days. Night? Oh, okay. It was repeated sightings. Right after Christmas, uh, the lit, just before New Year's, this occurred. And um, when, uh, the recording was made. It, it, it indicates that the uh, the people that were at the site are talking about this object that's coming closer to them, and they're making comments on it. And that's that. What that's what we're going to let you listen to. So it's and it sounds like they had an exploratory group that went to see um, where it was reported these ships were landing and taking off. Mm-hmm. They went to take some readings. Right. And they had a uh, what apparently was a, a Geiger counter, and uh, it was giving them, you know, uh, reaction on the machine. And so uh, as they uh, got different readings, they uh, made note of that. And you hear them, you hear them discussing this uh, between uh, themselves, and uh, you hear the, all the... Uh, signs of uh, uh, tension and human, yeah, the human feelings of of them being involved in something that that they never were expecting to uh, encounter. And when you listen to it, you'll you'll hear that. And uh, I I recommend you also getting the book. It's an excellent book. I I know I recommend a lot of books for you people to read out there, but this is up there in the uh, in the readable uh, of my uh, lists of uh, books to read, and uh, it's called Left at Eastgate. Might not be available so easy, but uh, I'm sure it's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can get it on Amazon by now. Yeah, but um, you have so, that section, Rob. Yes, and 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 it's very. It's an 18 minute long. It's in the National Archives. It's an anybody can get it. 
All right. Well, so, what we're going to do is we're going to, being that it's long, and I don't, I don't want it to be. Oh yeah, I'm not going to play the whole thing. Yeah, I wanted <laughs> to uh, break it up at certain points, and I, I'll give my my partner a, a a stop signal, and then we'll make a comment on it. I mean, I think that last four minutes is where. The yeah, I mean, really, so it gets it gets I was really just exciting. Explain and, the first part, really, so we don't have to. Because okay. really, it's just them taking readings, and they don't mm -hmm. really, you know, there's a couple of little. Uh, bleeps on mm -hmm. their machines but mm -hmm. nothing they weren't too impressed at first mm -hmm. until kind of towards the end and it makes me wonder where's the rest it, well it shows <laughs> you how thorough they were so too. what ha so not only were they taking readings but they ended up having sightings themselves and that's mm -hmm. what we cap was captured that's what's in the captured in the recording check it out Isn't that amazing? You know, it, it, you really have a hard time telling me that these people are, are faking their emotion. It, it's a very uh, tricky thing to do, especially for a military person 
who's not an actor, has never went to acting school. A very and, successful and accomplished military man who was, you know, a very experienced at that point, too. I mean, you know, these, these are the things that are captured in, in that video the pilots made off the coast of California that we use on the beginning of our podcast. The, the emotion that the pilots convey when they're seeing something that, that is truly extraordinary really jumps out at me because these are things that uh, really show something is going on here. And when you're a trained person in, in the air or you are military trained on the ground, you, you don't get fooled so easy. And, uh, that's that's the what it's conveyed in their uh, their descriptions of what they're encountering, and uh, when you when we let you listen to the rest of the uh, the tape, you're going to hear more uh, excitement, and and uh, the uh, investigation that went on after this whole case uh, died down is, is more <laughs> more strange than you've ever imagined. I mean, when the CIA and the uh, FBI and the American intelligence get involved in, in a sighting that that doesn't... That's in, in, in England. Yeah, that's in England. I mean, uh, it's, it's quite amazing. It just shows you that there's a, a, a very slick, like I say, a very slick cover-up to, to keep this from being accepted as real. An international cover Yeah. <laughs> and, and, Apparently, <laughs> and, and the and the fact that it was recorded, and it involves military people, it, it really is is a, a form of uh, good evidence in in, uh, in in the fact that you have people that today still will not uh, retract their statements, and uh, the two two of the people who were involved in that case. Uh, I think his name was Pennington. Uh, they went back to the site to see the feeling that they would get, the vibrations that they would feel by, by returning to the uh, original place that they had the sighting. And uh, th that, that's another book all itself. That's, <laughs> that's the book, uh, the second book that came out by uh, John Burroughs and Jim Pennington. Air Force military retired. Mm -hmm. And uh, th this book is really great because you have their points of view and what they went through with the, uh, with the American intelligence trying to uh, make them feel that they were not experiencing what they did experience. They were pushing this lighthouse theory that uh, they incurred, uh, which the lighthouse is so far away, and it had nothing to do with the. Uh, yeah, the lighthouse was four feet off the ground, fifty feet in front of them. Yeah, I know, and left and left brush marks well, uh, on the trees. A couple of significant things was uh, it's kind of I know it's kind of a rough audio. This is part of the National Archives, and he probably just had a one of those little mini rec tape recorders or something mm -hmm. like that, which were not very good quality in 1980. <laughs> let's face it, but compared to a phone, what a phone could do today, but. Uh, he, he mentioned the farm animals all got quiet right, yeah, that, right that's, before they saw the red lights. That that's, another right <laughs> that's another significant thing because yeah. animals are very, very receptive to unusual things because 
<laughs> you know, they just are. They're well, very, you've got, yeah. They're very, uh, you know, animals are a great indicator of something, uh, especially uh, in this particular case where there were animals in the area and they did react almost simultaneously to the uh, to the object's presence, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, are you ready to let us listen to the next section? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. I I, I want I want our audience to really appreciate the significance of this uh, recording of this sighting. Yeah, the uh, the excitement and the heartbeat of these fellas—you uh, can hear it pounding almost on the microphone. The the excitement that these. Well, you hear the the rate of breathing go up. Um, yeah, I mean, if I had a, a stethoscope, I could put it on their heart. I would be boom, 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 boom. Oh yeah, you can. 
you can hear it in the breathing, you know. And, and I think this piece is still not the end of this, right? We still have the 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 colonel that's going to make his. Uh, no, he report. was in there. He's in he, there. He oh. was in there. Yeah, he was the one uh, talking about the red light, and uh, oh. I think he was the one that said, "Let's go to the center and all that." Oh, you know yeah. why? You know why I said that because. Mm -hmm. He, he has been interviewed recently, and he's much older now. Oh, and so his can, voice was so young there. Oh, right. right. I, he, I, was the, he was the one with the, a lot of inflection in his voice. Mm -hmm. But he was very, like, here, I'll play you some of the beginning. He was very bored at first. They, they didn't see much at the beginning. Hmm. It was very <laughs> matter-of-factly. Well, you got to take your finger about the thing. Here, Just the one, seven. Just jumped up below seven tenths there. Seven tenths right here in the center? Uh-huh. We found a small blast, what looks like a blasted or scrubbed up area here. We're getting very positive rains. Let's see, is that here the center? Yes, it is. This is what we'll do. So we'll be dead center. Anyways, it's it's a lot to go through and mm -hmm. the sound quality is not that good, but yeah. When they you know, the, the if you fast forward towards the end of it, that's where the good stuff is. <laughs> Because I don't know if they expected to have the sightings that they had. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they they were going they were out there, there to take the readings and look at the right. They didn't expect any of this uh, commotion that they were experiencing. Well, they were and they were talking about the trees that some of the branches had had fallen downward mm -hmm. um, from many feet up, like 20, 30 feet mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. And didn't they say something like all the all the uh all the foil, the the branches that had um, kind of swayed over in the same direction towards the center, they all went towards the center. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also there were markings on the tree uh, from maybe the branches, uh, you know, falling mm -hmm. and hitting the sides of the tree as it fell, fall as it fell. But um, you definitely can hear something's going on there. <laughs> I mean. The fact that it was taped is really uh, great. It really brings you back, like I say, to the to the very moment to experience something that's truly <laughs> phenomenal. I uh, often uh, compare cases to one another to see the um, the pattern, and uh, this case fills a pattern mm -hmm. uh it brings to light or brings to mind a case in uh montana where there were uh silos and a ufo you know flew over the uh, the military base and deactivated the uh, the missiles in their silos and and that went right to the pentagon when that happened the, the military was very uh, <laughs> alarmed about that. So wasn't this kind of like Great Britain's uh, Area 51? Uh, I, I call it a, uh, a, a, what do you call it, a Roswell. They call it the Roswell, yeah, the yeah, British yeah, that's, Roswell. That's more, yeah. Because it came down. I mean, although it didn't uh, that's, that's crash and get retrieved. 51 is where all the research and nuclear research is done. And everything. Yeah, yeah, that's. But Roswell was where. Where the crash occurred. The test sightings. Test, test sightings. Sightings. Mm -hmm. test sightings took place at all military bases all around the country. But the, uh, the, the Rendlesham Forest case caused a lot of problems because of the military uh, 
base and military people involved in in the sighting. So mm-hmm. you, you have to, you know, are these people lying or are they trying to make a, a money off of this? It doesn't seem that way because uh, they, these people were very affected. Um, the story behind the two of these uh, military retired people Air Force. had uh, some incidences uh, with the, the object. I think one of them touched the object and uh, had a series of uh, sort of telepathic uh, thoughts transmitted to him in, in the form of zeros and ones. Hmm. And this he wrote down and they, uh, they had somebody decipher these, the ones and zeros, and there was a message in, the, in there and it's in the book. Pretty, uh, it's pretty, I don't want to get into it right now because uh, it's a little, uh, it's a little detailed and uh, very hard I, to comprehend. But I heard it was the first algorithm to die from, but uh, that's yeah. just rumor. It, it was, it was <laughs> significant in that the, the amount of zeros and ones that he retained in his memory, I find it extraordinary that he could uh, actually reproduce them and write them down. And then there's a message in there. How did how did how did that happen? I mean, it's uh, it's like a, to me, it's a telepathic uh, transmission of information that came out of either touching this craft and yeah, feeling and, uh, it's like not a, the first example of um, rumored tech not hand, technology rumored to be handed down from afar. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a good way to, to put it. Uh, hard to come up with. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, telepathy is is you know I mean we we've we've had scientists that have worked on these things and uh, who knows if this uh, is an accomplished uh, task of, of future societies in, the, in in a thousand years maybe telepathy is no big deal. Yeah. Nobody has to talk to one another. We, we just developed that part of our mind yet. We, I mean, when, when you see images of these these creatures and you see the size of their eyeballs, uh, uh, they, they look at you and, and you, you almost feel that they're reading your, your mind. Yeah, I wonder if they, they think we're trying to imitate them, but when our eyes get big and almost bulge out of our head. My pupils don't look that big. <laughs> no, but they feel like it if you were to see one of them. Yeah, after I have about six packs of... Uh, <laughs> six six packs of six packs six six packs but um this case is is a very good case i I come back to it often um there's other cases out there like i said the montana case but uh again it involves nuclear weapons so how about cover-ups now the cover-ups because i would uh, think once it got to the top brass right the 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 the, exactly as soon as the the top brass get involved the cover-up is is in effect so these these people were interrogated who who uh who recorded this uh this uh recording of the incident and and the fact that they were put through such an extreme um method of trying to discredit them i mean it's it's kind of sad yeah that their their testimony was not considered you know, valid, and, and it gave them psychological um, problems mm-hmm. to deal with because they, 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 you know, they were made to feel like, oh no, you're, you're, you can't talk about this, and uh, 
this is, uh, you know, you're a military person and this is not for the public's attention. And despite what you may say to the news, this is still not uh, for the public. You know, whatever they have to say to these people to keep them from talking further. And the fewer times you talk about it, the, the less you're going to remember it. Right, right. The details of it. Then you start doubting yourself, probably. That's why the the, the great thing that it got documented by, by good writers, and, and you find out the, the, key, the key elements of the case that weren't obs- uh, obstructed uh, and kept out of public uh, domain. I mean, uh, they, the, the, the government may not want the public to know about the subject, but there's certainly enough great information available yeah, uh, it's amazing um, what you can get. Um, what um, so the the so basically there it's repeated days. It's happening at this base in the UK where there's nuclear testing. When and they were actively doing it, I think. Well, I don't know if they were uh, testing at that time, okay. but the, the the fact that it was a NATO base and a. Uh, and right. the, one of the largest where they they ha- house nuclear weapons. Nuclear weapons, right? And <clears throat> so the, the the fact that there's many cases on record in books that I have of UFOs being observed at nuclear sites, whether it's a nuclear power site where we we produce power, like Indian Point or uh, Harrisburg, uh, three, three Mile Island or Fukushima. I mean, there has been sightings over all of these nuclear power plants at one time or another. And uh, that, that must mean something, you know. I mean, since the first one uh, occurred right near Trinity site in New Mexico. So, but but so 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 then the the Americans come over, and is uh, what I'm sure that there must have been some dramatic moment. I feel like it's like when the the NYPD the FBI comes in and NYPD's on the scene. You know, mm-hmm. they flip the badge, <laughs> they flip the badge out. Yeah, the men in black are here. Yeah, yeah you know, it's like yeah, we got this. Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, right. We're in charge now. Yeah. I wonder what that was like. <laughs> and the, uh, the the case brought a lot of attention in, in the field of ufology and, and good writers who I respect uh, have made comment on this case and, and give it a, uh, an A. So uh, there's a lot of cases that I don't put in that category because there's always the possibility that they're part of a disinformation program set up by the very government that we uh, we have uh, looking at this uh, subject. <laughs> uh, we call it uh, today. We call it ASIP, and it used to be called Blue Book, and before that it was called Grudge, and before that it was called Project Sign. But it all stems back to the Truman Memo which was a classified executive order signed to keep this subject from the public. And it, it must have a, uh, a realm of uh, truth to it because the more people study it, the cases that, that form the basis of a cover-up continually build a, a good foundation. And, and this case 
uh, in England is one of those cases because well, look, look, this is like you said the the Roswell. I mean, Bob Lazar has been disc- You know, they said he didn't even work there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, if, and, we always, uh, you know, we wonder the why they lie. It, and it's docu- it's proven that he worked there. It's it's documented in the journalism of its time. It's even in the phone. He was in the phone book directory for the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, when so, you, when, so these guys were not allowed to tell their story and they were discredited and they were told that they, that, um, they were basically there. They were not backed up in their story. They were not, they were not backed up, but yet they were able to be interviewed and, and reveal what they went through and get that information published for, for, for public consumption. So it, it's a, it's a play. It's a play on, on reality because you, on one hand you have the, the reality exists that, that were being visited by a, an extraterrestrial intelligence, and we, we don't know how to deal with it. So the best way to deal with it is to not talk about it because then you don't have to answer <laughs> questions. Right. Because we, don't, the, we don't cover these kind of things. Yes, this stuff is just, uh, you know, atmospheric conditions. Mm. The, uh, the people that were involved in, and wrote the second book, uh, John Burroughs and Penniston, uh, they uh, did it with the work of um, writer Nick Pope, which is a, a very respected uh, yeah, field he, investigator. He really made his name on this case. I yes, he's been in, he's been on numerous uh, shows. He's been on the History Channel on Ancient Aliens. Uh, he's very uh, he worked for the the Ministry of Defense in England, so he's mm-hmm. had a lot of uh, inside information. And uh, he he feels that the same uh, cover up has been going on, you know, for since uh, since the beginning. And another parallel with Roswell, to your point, is that, you know, a little bit of the truth got out before it was before they had a lid on it. Right. You know? And that's what that's what the biggest problem was. That and then once to that say little, it's a lighthouse, I mean, that's just laughable. Well, the weather balloon was the other. Yeah, exactly. You know, I can give you a whole list of all the stories that they use. Uh, meteorological, meteorological weather balloons. Uh, how about the meteors and uh, swamp, asteroids? Swamp gas. Swamp gas. People you know. had inhaled swamp gas and were hallucinating. Yeah. I've heard everything it from. It wasn't green, little green men. It was it was alligators and you, you just um, projected flight mm-hmm. onto them or. Mm-hmm. That they could stand, walk standing up. Short. Well, all I know is that the more uh, years that I have spent uh, investigating and uh, being inquisitive, uh, it just points to uh, a very well orchestrated cover up. Uh, I guess the public is not prepared, and uh, when they, when they, when the government feels that we are ready to hear then they will, uh, I guess, disclose it to us. But uh, in the interim, we're kept in the dark, except for people like me who uh, want to tell people that there is a cover-up going on. And uh, I run into people all the time that say, well, what makes you think that uh, you, you know all the answers? I said, well, if, if you spent as many uh, years 
and as many uh, nights reading <laughs> about uh, about the subject, you know, you would you would either come to one uh, conclusion: either everybody's crazy, or there's something going on here. And I, I came to the conclusion that there's a a cover up. And then once I got my hands on the Majestic Twelve documents and the briefing paper for Eisenhower, I was I was firmly uh, convinced. And uh, yeah, uh, the cover up is proof <laughs> that there's something to cover up. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something that there's worth of uh, of, of not uh, revealing, and there's an awful big effort to do it. And there's plenty of BS to wade through. Yeah, as you maintain all the time, you know, it's that's what makes it difficult. I mean, you can't go around believing everything, or you're going to expose yourself to some to look mm-hmm. ridiculous at times. Mm-hmm. But but then when I found out that the National Enquirer was co-funded by uh, a counterintelligence <laughs> person in the CIA, mm-hmm. I said, "Oh, no wonder that that paper succeeds." Mm-hmm. It, when it's full of all baloney. Yeah, the Washington Post. I mean, National Enquirer. <laughs> the National Enquirer was one of those those uh, garbage papers. And every other paper tried to copy their format so that they would have good sales, but they never had the, the success that the, the Enquirer did. It had a, a wider circulation than all the other uh, copycat uh, newspapers. And... Uh, it worked. I, I don't even. Uh, I don't doubt it that uh, the CIA would get involved in, in using a newspaper to uh, funnel misinformation about a subject that's classified top secret. In what year? In the sixties. I mean, uh, just just yeah, to, That's my. I mean, you know, think about that. Sixties. In the sixties. And um, <laughs> is it happening today? No. No, they're not lying about anything. No. No, they don't know anything. <laughs> it's just a flying drone flying around at Mark Four, you know. But the uh, like I say, uh, we haven't we have any more? Oh, that's finished. That that piece that we did. Yeah, that's, oh, that was, that the, was the, the end. end yeah, that I'll have to do some more searching. See what I can come <clears> up with next time. Next week, we're going to try to do another uh, case. Uh, We're going to talk about it. It's uh, been in the papers. It's called the Travis Walton case. Uh, I recently saw the movie. I'll give you some comments on it. Uh, The Fire in the Sky, which was uh, made on the case. Uh, I had some uh, second uh, feelings on the story. Uh, Not that I doubted Travis's account. I sort of was disappointed in the way the producer for the film uh, portrayed the experience that Travis had when he became uh, abducted. And uh, it it just didn't fit the narrative that that I've read over the years, over the decades. And And that's important to me because although the story of the people that, that witnessed Travis being abducted fits, fits a, uh, a truthful uh, story. His account by the, the film industry uh, uses, you know, dr- dramatic scenes and they, you know, they want to make it uh, fantastic. And, uh, uh, but actually they wind up 
portraying the the case improperly, and uh, it, it sort of uh, makes people uh, turned off to the whole case. So you wonder if there's a, a collusion between the producer and the government to 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 make the story look uh, weird. Well. You know? Partially believable, and oh, it's sort of true, but is it true? Dan, Dan Aykroyd would have an opinion. Yeah, I'm sure he would. Um, we'll, we'll, maybe we will get something on him. To have well, a, we covered it before in one of our prior episodes. Did he make comments so. on the Travis Fulton case? Oh, yeah, he mentioned it actually. Oh, he did. He, he oh. knows a lot, and yeah. his, you know, he produced those several episodes of the for Sci-Fi Channel, I believe. Mm-hmm. And after he was in the middle of a really, really uh, a busy weekend where he was doing like two episodes with all these really big names and they shut down the whole production mm-hmm. never put anything out mm-hmm. so next week we'll we'll discuss the uh, the Travis Walton case and uh, let the uh, the public uh, make their own you know decision on how they they feel about the case it's not it's not one of the cases that I put up there on a, on the same level as Roswell or uh, the Rendlesham Forest case, or, or many other strong cases that are out there uh, for the for the public to find out about. But uh, nevertheless, it has reached a lot of publicity, and a lot of uh, people support the Travis Walton case. Uh, I have I have mixed feelings on it, but I'm still not convinced that that it, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll remain uh, interested. There's some good stuff, though. That- yeah. Oh yeah, it'll be fun to go through it. So uh, we're going to say good. We'll say good night tonight. I wish he had made a recording. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. That would have been great. But uh, we'll say good night tonight, and we'll see you next week. Yep, and uh, we'll see you guys uh, next Tuesday. And let us know what you thought about the uh, the case, the Rendlesham Forest case. As always, you can send your messages and comments to UFOs. Top Secret at ProtonMail.com or check us out at UFOsTopSecret.com or come back to the Podbean place where we like to hang and chat and talk about things of a foreign nature. Listen to these pilots. <laughs>